because he's a good God. Oh, look around to somebody and high-five them and say, God is a good God. God is a God of victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us, God, dominion over the power of the enemy, God. For you have not called us to be losers. Oh, but to be successful. The Lord working with us, in us, through us. Oh, changing us to help change a lost and a dying world, a dark world. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for you are good. And you give good gifts unto your children. Lord, to do about your good work. Oh, to build your kingdom, not to destroy it, not to offend it, not to lessen it. But, Lord, that your name would be glorified, honored, and praised. We thank you, mighty Jesus, for you are good. You are good. Thank you. Thank you so much, worship team. We appreciate you. Amen. Happy New Year. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad it's a new year? It's just something about it, even psychologically, amen, that it's like a start over. It's like a reset. Regardless of what has happened in the past, oh, hallelujah, it just seems like it's just, hey, I can do this. Amen. This is something that I can start again. And amen, I'm really not talking about resolutions because most of them fail. But you know, amen, we're entering into a new year and I believe that God wants to give us a new vision, or at least I believe that God wants to uh, re-energize the church, maybe in a vision that God gave us last year. And uh, amen, it's a time where we begin to fast, we begin to pray, we get things back into focus and back into order. And amen, we put ourselves back into that spiritual place where we really need to be to start off the new year. Why do we fast? Amen, because our flesh needs to be crucified. Amen, sometimes your thinking, amen, gets out of whack a little bit, amen, of what we need to be doing and so forth. And as we humble ourselves in our fast, as we humble our bodies, our hearts, our mind, our time, amen, God does a work in us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, it's an honor tonight to preach the first sermon of the year. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Brother Miller, and all of you that are our church family. We're here. We're there. We're in ministry elsewhere. And, uh, but we thank God that we can come back to a Bible-believing church. Amen. That does not change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible or on your phone, wherever you have it. Amen. I want to read a scripture from Ecclesiastes in chapter 10 and starting with verse 7, ending with verse 7. Uh, as I began to pray and seek the face of God for a time of devotion and in a time of prayer, I, I, these, these words kept on coming back to me about the workings and there are things at work. Amen. While you're asleep, there are things that are at work. Amen. The Bible talks about the works of the flesh. The Bible talks about the works of God. The Bible talks about, 
amen, the works uh, that the Spirit is doing. And, and, and so he gave me this title, Workings That Are Trying to Prevent Your Destiny. How many of you believe that God's got a destiny, amen, for piles of praise? I believe that God has a destiny for every church here in town. Amen. And it depends on how much of the word that we really truly believe in, that we really trust in, that is going to bring it to pass. It, 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 it really depends on how close that we really get to God. And so we know, though, amen, that the devil is doing everything that he can to try to prevent you from really fulfilling your destiny. Amen. He's trying to do everything that he can to prevent you from fulfilling your destiny also in prayer, to be the prayer warrior that God has called you to be. Why? Because it can make a difference in someone dying and someone living. It can make a difference in someone being saved and not saved. It can make a difference in you maybe being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, things to be revealed to you in a situation to help a miracle maybe come to pass. I read this scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 7, and I almost laughed when I read it. It says, I have seen, amen, I have seen uh, servants on horses while princesses walk on the ground like servants. Well, how many of you understand that that's kind of odd? Amen. But back then, the servant usually walked and the princesses and kings usually rode the horse. They rode the stallion. But in this situation, we find out that the princesses is walking instead. Somebody missed it somewhere. Somebody had missed their true destiny in life. And if we're not careful, church, we can do the same. We can be walking when we need to be running. Amen. We can be abounding, amen, when we're just barely getting by spiritually. So in this scripture, we see one that has been born a prince, but he walks like a servant. Destiny is the life that God has meant for you. It is the purpose of God really for your life. God is trying always to work in us to find and prepare us for the destiny that he has called us to be. And so many people after they're born again and so many people after they're saved or maybe once baptized in the Holy Spirit without keeping up, sometimes we prevent ourselves from becoming what God would have us to be and to walk in the fullness and to walk with that ministry that God has called us to be. In Ephesians 2 and 10 it says, for we are his workmanship. Amen. He called us out of sin. We are his workmanship. And as he works within us, oh, hallelujah, we become more than what we were. Amen. He works in us to find and prepare. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. God wants you to do many great works, good works. Amen. Something that will build the kingdom. But the enemy has different plans for you. He has different plans for this church. He wants to forfeit your destiny or he at least wants to wreck your destiny. Many times it is up to us 
There are things that sometimes we cannot explain that may happen in our lives. Amen. It's not just about you. Amen. It's about what will follow the fruits of your works and also your character. Your character means so much. Amen. Because the way that the devil will try to prevent you from reaching and fulfilling your destiny is to attack your character. Amen. The fruits of the Holy Spirit describe a good part of our character. As I quoted once, there was a pastor that once said, you'll never have a destiny larger than your character. Hello? Amen. You'll never have a destiny larger than your character. And so, amen, if our character is very shallow, amen, our ministry, I feel, will be very shallow. So what are some of the De the destiny killers that we must be aware of tonight and this is what the Holy Spirit gave me sometimes it's not an evil person sometimes it is innocent people who mean well but without knowing your true purpose they can hinder you from your destiny or to reach your full potential in the book of Acts we see this as a prophet called Agabus Amen, uh, uh, began to prophesy over the apostle Paul. There in chapter 21, verse 11, it says, and when that prophet Agabus had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his hands and his feet, and he said, thus saith the Holy Spirit. It says, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we had heard this, and it just really came up to me, now, Luke is writing this, and if we really look at this as it is, it even convinced Luke, amen, of what they really thought, amen, that, that this is a prophecy saying he should not go to Jerusalem, but the prophecy wasn't, amen, for Paul not to go to Jerusalem, but it was to prepare him for Jerusalem, and sometimes there are innocent people that get in the way. Sometimes they do not test the spirits. Sometimes we do not try the spirits. This is let it, everything be tried by two or three. But it says here, shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles? Now when we heard these things, both we and those in that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And, and so there were intentions, innocent intentions. Amen. They, they, uh, Paul began to weep and began to cry over this. Don't do it. Don't try to bind me. Don't hold me back from the will of God. I, if it is God's will for me to die in Jerusalem, that is what, amen, I will do. So there were those that had harmful, amen, intentions, amen, without harmful intentions, discouraged me sometimes from different things in the ministry. There, there were people sometimes, oh, God hasn't called you to do that. God hasn't really called you to go there. Why in the world, amen, would you get a little bit more knowledge? Why would God call you uh, to go to that place to learn a little bit more? And, and, you know, all I know is that 
God put a conviction in my heart. In fact, he put some stumbling blocks along the way because there were some things that I did not want to do. Amen. I had the fire. I felt like I had the power. I felt like I had the prayer life. But as I stated many times in this church, I needed more wisdom. I needed more to the knowledge of God's word. I needed some more things in my life to make the ministry more successful. And so we find out that sometimes those things happen. There are people sometimes that discourage us, but when it really comes down to it, amen, have you been called? Do you know? You know, my mother, when she was even a lost person, backslid, a preacher's kid, before I was even born, the Lord spoke to her and said, the, the, the son that you're going to have is one day going to preach the gospel. But because of what my grandfather had gone through in starting churches, and she was, uh, I think she said she was in over 20 schools. <laughs> Amen. She went into all types of schools. They, they never lived anywhere very long. He was starting a church somewhere. And, and she didn't want me to really go through that. And when I was 14, I said, I think that God is calling to me into the ministry. She didn't try to uh, uh, encourage me but she didn't discourage me. She said, well, you just need to pray about that. Well, she knew what God had already told her, but I'm so glad that I'm not mama called. I'm glad that I'm God called, hello? And so the next thing that will try to prevent you, amen, is that fleshly nature, the works of the flesh, can be a destiny killer. In the book of Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill all of its lust. Now, the book of Romans tells us now the works, amen, of the flesh, the works of darkness, they're being manifest already. Amen, there was adultery, there was fornication, there was lying, there was stealing, there was all types of things that were going on. But, the, but here he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. And, and sometimes, uh, what I've seen people do in all the years of evangelizing and pastoring is that they will credit the devil. Well, you know, if the devil hadn't done this, if the devil hadn't really pushed me in that area, if the devil, and sometimes we give too much credit to the devil. Sometimes we give too much credit to demonic spirits. Amen. And someone once told me, amen, you, you can't counsel, uh, counsel a devil. you got to cast him out. Amen. But you can't cast out the flesh. The flesh has to be crucified. And, and sometimes our world's worst enemy is ourselves. Amen. It's the flesh. It's what we think. It's what we want. It's what we have determined. Amen. How this is, how that fits in my life. Instead of fasting and praying and crucifying the flesh and any ungodliness that really has come its way, any temptation that has come our way, he says, put it on and make no provision for the flesh. Amen. I want you to know that as I said, what many attribute to the devil is a lot of times the work of the flesh uh, and, and that, that has to be crucified. Some aren't worthy of a visitation of a demon sometimes or even the devil themselves. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, and, and a lot of times, I, as I have pastored, when you tried to help someone, when you have tried to correct someone, 
Amen. Most of the time in pastoring, 50% at least, of people that I needed to correct in the spirit of love did not take correction. They didn't take it. The Bible says the word is there for also correction. And so there are things that prevented them, and it wasn't necessarily altogether the devil but the devil can use the flesh, but it was what was inside. It was maybe the spirit of pride. Amen. Let's look at Peter's life. That almost, his, it, when Jesus said, you know what? The devil is working on you and he is trying to sift you. And he said, not so, Lord. Amen. The spirit of pride in Peter, even when the Lord God himself said to him, amen, this is what the devil is trying to do. And then he told him what the devil was going to do and how he was going to yield and how he was going to deny him. Even three times he said, not so. And there are a lot of people that are out there that sometimes their destiny is prevented because of the spirit of pride or stubbornness or, or bullheadedness that I'm not going to listen to that pastor. I'm not going to listen to that counsel. I'm not going to listen to that wisdom because I know. And there are many times that we don't know. There are times I did not know. There, I, I really believe that I, through the years, have limited and prevented, amen, the fullness of ministry that God really wanted me to do. There are places where I missed it. There are places where I needed to be more discerning. There were places where I needed to take heed to somebody that was trying to help me out of a, 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 out of a pit of what I thought. And, and, and man, when you feel hurt and when you feel pain and sometimes anger comes up within your soul because of what is going through and you don't understand it. And when you feel that people is holding you back in your ministry, sometimes you go the opposite way. You really got to be careful. I have been there. I have been there. The work of pride. But Jesus even told him, said, now look, I have prayed for you. When you've repented, go to your brethren and strengthen them. And I believe he had a testimony. I believe that he told them about his spirit of pride. I, I, I believe that he said, I almost blew it totally. I denied the Lord. I cursed. I I turned my back on the Savior. I saw him. He looked at me from afar off. Everything that he said is true, and we better stick to the book. We better believe every word that our Lord and Savior spoke to us. The spirit of pride. Amen. If I've ever seen a set-up situation, I see it in David's life. A David that loved worship, uh, amen, that loved the Lord, that wrote those songs uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But, but a bit of the spirit of apathy came into his life. Amen. He began to hold back a little bit. He, I don't think he was really worshiping at that time like he should have worshiped. And, and the Bible says at the time when kings would have been to war, he had stayed home. All it takes is just a little thing like that to mislead you. Amen. And to hold you back from your full destiny. We have got a lot of Christians that, well, that's not going to matter. One night of church, this or that or the other. Amen. Maybe meeting with someone of the opposite sex. I know I'm married, but everybody is there. Everybody is looking at what we're doing. And, and or, or it could be a, a variable many of things that is happening in your life. 
But, but when I look at this, he, 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 he became sluggish within his life. He could not sleep one night. He went out there on his terrace, and he looked down, and he saw uh, uh, the uh, uh, wife, amen, that was married. She was washing herself. She had just come through a, a time of menstrual uh, situation, and he saw her. She uh, looked lovely. She was beautiful. Lust began to grow within her heart. Let me tell you what. Amen. The devil will always show you, well, it's not going to hurt this time. It's not going to hurt staying at home. It's not going to hurt giving in a little bit. It's not going to hurt. It could be a disaster for you. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I repent every day. And it's not that I sin big time every day, but I believe that every saint of God ought to humble themselves because sometimes we're blinded, amen, within ourselves of who we are, what we are, and sometimes where we're going that is trying to prevent fulfillment, amen, of our lives. The devil is trying to set us up. Amen. Even though God forgave him, even though he saw what happened to Saul, and he said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Amen. Because he saw a man that was without the Holy Spirit. He saw and recognized a man, amen, that was backslid on God. He saw his choices. And even though he was forgiven, Amen. It still changed his destiny. It changed the destiny in his household. It changed the destiny in his nation. It changed more destinies. And yes, one day he's going to be the mayor or governor of all of Jerusalem and so forth. But it did cost him a whole lot. Amen. And then we get what else will try to prevent us? Principalities and powers. Amen. I talked about the innocent people. I, I talked about, amen, the flesh. And how we got to crucify it that causes most of our problems. We're, we're our greatest enemy, not the devil, but sometimes the devil gets involved. Some devil, the devil tries to plan. Amen. While we're sleeping, he is planning. Amen. While we're sleeping or where we're at work, amen, he's always looking for an opportunity. But Ephesians 6 and 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And it is true that we do wrestle against principalities. We do wrestle against demonic powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I think that I told the story where my mom was laying in bed. She wasn't feeling good, and my, my dad came in, and he was griping about something. Now I'm talking about two good Christian people full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm talking about people that go to church, would not miss church. I mean that are dedicated to church, but uh, dad was griping about something. God, it, it, he, he went out of the room, came back again, was griping about something. And, and, and my, my mom, he, uh, bless her heart, she is a prayer warrior. I mean, she'll see what you won't see. She'll have visions. She'll have dreams. And, and you know, the Lord did show her a demon spirit there. And that demon was looking back toward the room that my dad was in. And he kept on looking at her, looking back, and all of a sudden my dad came back. Ba ba ba, ba ba ba. And the devil was involved in that situation. Amen. Maybe innocent people might be without knowing it. 
amen, that have good intentions, but it, it brings bad fruit. It could be the flesh, not the devil really, that is, amen, trying to be instrumental in you, amen, but sometimes the devil tries to work his deal. But because if we don't have healthy marriages, if we don't have healthy homes, we do not have a healthy church. Amen. A strong family makes a strong church. Amen. A family of conviction, amen, makes a strong church. And, and this kept on happening. And, and all of a sudden she said, Jerry, come in here. My dad's name is Jerry. And said, I, I want to tell you what I, I saw the most hideous thing. There on the floor, he kept on looking back and said, the devil, amen, I'm sick and the devil is causing you to be agitated. He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to work things up. Amen, and, and it kind of scared him when she told him that, and they joined hands together, and they prayed, and he said, I want you to forgive me. Amen, and they became stronger together, but the devil is going to try to do everything where your marriage and your home does not reach the right destiny and fulfillment that God really wants it to be. Amen, that's what the devil wants to do. Amen, but what else do we need? Amen, we need some destiny helpers in these last days. Amen, we need destiny helpers in our lives. I know that I have. What are, why are they so significant? Amen, in helping us reach wherever God says, okay, this is the fulfilling of your life. This is the fulfilling of your ministry. Amen, I read something today that says they connect you to the top and not the bottom. They add value. They are strategically positioned to help you arrive at your expected end. They go out of their way to help you. Amen. They help you navigate through all obstacles. They help you succeed. They, they uh, help you with the barriers that you face. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is going to be there all the time. There's some growing up personally that we have to do. There are some places that we find ourselves, it's just us and God. It's the way that we grow. But you know, God wants in this church, amen, to call destiny helpers because we all need help in reaching our goal. Amen. There are some of us that may be sick. Amen. I, I'm praying, amen, about the healing of my neck and my back. I'm still believing God. I need help. Amen, I need help from you. Your pastor needs help, especially. Amen, the devil has tried to wreck his destiny, amen, because of the back problems and some other problems. I remember when I could not get out of the bed by myself because of arthritis, where I had to pull a drawer out to pull myself. I remember when my kids had to put on my socks I remember a lot of things where I couldn't hardly get to the platform, when I couldn't hardly get up from praying when I was at a chair or at the altar in our church and where people began to pray and fast in our church. And when they began to pray and fast, I began to get better. Amen. They came during their, uh, 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 during their time when they were supposed to have lunch. Amen. I wondered why I heard the door pop and why heard it pop again. They were coming in. They were fasting, about seven of them, getting a hold of God. And every time they got a hold of God, I could get out of bed better. I, could, I was on my way of putting on my own socks. I was climbing up on. I just wish they had fasted a little longer. Amen. Amen. If you're going to pray for somebody, go all the way. 
Amen. Don't, don't let them just get halfway good. I mean, go all the way till that thing is totally broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. But they're there to help you to succeed. Amen. They fight on your behalf. They go to God in prayer. They use their time and tools for you. They are ordained of God to assist they share experiences. They share their scars. They share their counsel. They share their wisdom that would save you the pain and frustration that, amen, they have really been through themselves. They sometimes correct and bear your burdens. Amen, they lift you up when you are down. Oh, that's the helpers that we need. Amen, sometimes people condemn others that are had a failure. Amen, sometimes that have succumbed to doing something that violates the flesh or whatever. But we need some helpers. We don't need any condemners. We need some helpers. I know the word of God will always be the word of God which we should live. And there are times, yes, you have to step in and correct and love. Amen, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you know, go and restore him. Those of you that are spiritual, I know that there are things to do, but we need some helpers. Your pastors need some helpers. Amen, I preached on a sermon a while back on about intercessors and how each ministry needs an intercessor. After about a month or so, I went to one of the ministries here at the church, and I said, how many people have said, I'm gonna stick by you in prayer? Amen. Personally, I just want you to know I'm going to be your personal intercessor. I asked the church to have at least, maybe each person to have three. And they said, well, no one came. No one came. Now, I know that a lot of you people are praying for your ministries. But I'm talking about someone that will go beyond the prayer. Amen, of just praying for your ministries. I'm talking about someone that will help that ministry, amen, to succeed in the destiny that God has really called it to be. I'm talking about how God, amen, wants to for us to back these people, amen, to strengthen these people, to help them when troubles come, when trials come, when, when they enter into a season, when it just seems like things are not going. We need at least three. But they said, no one's come to me. <laughs> but I still believe you're praying for them. But I believe that sometimes you've got to get more personal. If you want your ministries to succeed here, they need helpers to help their destiny, to help them to see their Sunday school class, amen, succeed, to see someone healed, to see someone come out of that pit, amen, that seems like they're hung to. And, and, and so we've got to do that. We have got to connect with them. I appreciate a pastor that I met when I was about 18. I had just, just got... Uh, graduated high school. I'd been in the ministry about a couple of years and I was preaching a two-week revival. And I, uh, after service, I was fixing to enter into a Shoney's and a pastor had come out. And I believe that it was really God-ordained. I was full of the Holy Ghost. I was full of the fire of God. I'd been reading God's word. But I was still 18, still had a lot to learn. And, and I, I, we was having great results in revival. But this man came out, and I believe that it was really ordained of God. He had started a great many churches. 
Amen. He was so brilliant about things, not just about the ministry, but people in high places, architects, engineers, would come and find him out when they could not solve a problem of building something in downtown Memphis or whatever. There were so many people from different areas that I found out later that would go to him for wisdom. He had a great church, had a great Christian school, one of the best there in Memphis, and he began to talk to me and said, how would you like to come and preach for me? Without really knowing my background or whatever, he said, come and, and minister to my people. So I came. We had a great service. Several people were healed. Amen. We, we, people were filled with the power of the Spirit, had a great move of God. And he said, I want you to come by my office tomorrow. I've got something I want to share with you. And I, I went and he said, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate the power. I appreciate so many things in your life. And I was thinking, woo, hallelujah, man. He's putting me up there. He's going to ask me back for a great revival. But he said, you know what, son? He said, I want you to listen just a little bit. He said, I notice that there are some things that you could do a lot better in. And I'm saying this because I love you. You know, it's hard for people, amen, when you got some pride and you're built up, it's hard for them to accept counsel that you really need. And I was so blind to what he was even going to try to say to me. He said, son, there are things about you that you really need to correct. He said, uh, you do have a powerful ministry. You're fiery. You have results in your services, but... If you want to really fulfill your destiny, I'm paraphrasing it, if you really want to go further, really in the ministry, here are some things that you need to really correct. And boy, he, he threw some personal things in there that blew my ego. And you know the first thing that I thought? It's just the devil. It's just jealousy. Amen. Amen. Jealous. Amen. A man that has started from scratch several churches, a man that has started that church presently, amen, that has, uh, is renowned in Memphis, Tennessee, amen, in all areas uh, that they have called on him, amen, and he's jealous, but that's what I said. That's what I thought. He's just jealous. Amen. He's 70-something years old. I thought, well, you know, his years... You know, he's kind of winding down. He wished he was young like me. And I walked out of there, and it helped me not. Amen. That's the way that the devil will try to destroy your destiny, to reject good counsel. Instead of me going somewhere and praying about it and saying, Now, God, I really think that this is really uh, jealousy. I, I, I think that he was just jumping on my case. He's just an old man, want to jump on a young man. And, and he's just thinking, hey, I, I, I've got some pride and I'm just going to really put him in his place. I know all of this. Amen. And, and, and just a little bit jealous, I didn't pray about it. I just assumed it was an attack. But later, amen, God showed me where to go to get that wisdom. Yeah. There were things I had to leave behind. Amen, a state that I had to leave behind. Amen, my ministry. Amen, God took away every revival that I had. 
Not that I showed out in a bad way in a church, but God, amen, took out everything. I mean, he took it out. He put me at the boringest job that anybody could be at. Amen. This machine that was cutting 5,000 pieces of, of line, uh, of wire for motors, and I was sitting there and I'm thinking, my life is going by. Amen. I could be out there preaching. And the Lord said to me, yes, you could, but you have been so stubborn. You refused my counsel. Amen. That I tried to show through my servant. And after there a few weeks, God came on me when I was at that machine and he said, are you ready to go? And I said, you better believe it. I'll give my notice right now. Woo! He put me at the worst place. But you know what? You can say, oh, that was just of the devil. The devil put me at the worst place. It's funny. When God tries to chastise us, for our good, he is trying to save our ministries. He's trying to save our spiritual lives. He's trying to, amen, uh, divert away from destruction, amen. But if we will just listen, amen, after about a couple of years and, and what I thought was a slowdown, what I thought, amen, was Amen, a door that was shut. I was able to do a lot more for the kingdom. I was able to preach a lot better for the kingdom. Amen, there was a wisdom that, that joined with that power. Amen, and I was able to do more. Amen, it's not to slow you down at times, but it's to speed you up at a place in your life where God can get the glory and that God can do greater things through your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. On the other hand, we need to be discerning. We need concerning fake destiny helpers. Oh, I've had people show up at the church. We're here to help you. We've been called to help you. Yeah. Amen. Help kick me out of the church. Help destroy me. Wag your tongue. We have come to help you. You got to watch out. Amen. Because there are some people that will always be in agreement with you. You need some people sometimes that are in disagreement with you. Some of the most destructive times that have come in ministries is when everybody that was on their corporate board said yes sir and never said no sir amen that when they saw things creeping up and creeping in the lives of the minister amen they amen look to him maybe as God or indestructible and we will just amen ignore this when somebody should have stepped up and said this is not right this is a, a wrong spirit that I feel amen in this area Sometimes you need those type of people in your lives. Amen. But here are some examples of destiny helpers, and I must, I know 30 minutes has gone by. What about Moses' father-in-law, Jethro? Amen. Moses would have been destroyed and would not have fulfilled his ministry. You would say, yeah, but Joshua was there. Well, yeah, that's good. But don't you want to go all the way? I mean, wouldn't you want to give God more glory? Wouldn't you want to see a few more miracles? 
Amen. Wouldn't you want to try to help some more? And he said, he said, son, he said, you're, you're having to judge from morning to way at night. And, and I can see you're taking it upon. You need people to help you. You need some people to judge these manners. Amen. Destiny helpers. And he received it. And God agreed with it. The Jewish captive girl. Amen. Probably her parents were probably killed. Amen. When she was taken, was taken to Syria. And the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 5 and 3, amen, that, that this girl that was captive, her parents were probably destroyed, killed. And she begins to talk to Captain Naaman, that's one of the greatest leaders of the Syrian army, and he begins to talk to his wife that, uh, that she is helping. She's a servant girl. She's a maid. And said, you know what? I know somebody over there in Israel. There's a great prophet of God that could heal your husband of leprosy. And she talks to her husband, a destiny helper. You would say, but it, he was lost. Think about this. She could have been so bitter you're one of the ones that gave the command to kill my parents. I have been in servanthood for years because of you. I have not been able to enjoy life at all. But here she is to try to help her enemy. If you would just go over there. And, and so he goes to the king, the Syrian king, and says, would you just send something over there? Let them know we're coming, not for war, but I want to visit a prophet in the king. Man, he begins to tear his clothes. He, he is mad about it. Oh, there's nothing like madness, hurt, pain that can destroy your destiny. Oh, and you know the prophet said, I heard that that letter was sent to you. Why did you do this? I believe that God has got a plan. And sometimes those are some of the destiny destroyers to get back. They deserve what they got. But my friend, I don't want anybody to go to hell. Amen. If I would think anybody deserved it, maybe Hitler. But I don't want anybody to burn in eternity for all eternity. And, and so the man goes to the prophet, and you know the story about dipping seven times. And he got all mad, went back home, and he went back. Amen. And, and, and he dipped, and he was made clean. And the end of the story is this. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he wouldn't do it because you can't, you can't pay for it. But you see the attitude? Now I see. And sometimes we can destroy someone's destiny of where they ought to be going, but they're going somewhere else. Well, they deserve that. They, they did this. They committed that. They, and they deserve that. But we need, in a loving way, and I understand God's law is God's law, but also God so loved the world that he gave. Would you stand with me, please?